It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up and welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. It is great to be with you on a Thursday. We are packed and stacked today. Dave Lapham coming up on today's show. Trey Hopkins, Bengals offensive lineman, going to join the show. I'm going to discuss... The trade deadline on today's show, all today. Plus, I'll tell you who I think is going to win, even though you heard it at the back end of yesterday's podcast. I'll break down Sunday's game against Tampa Bay for you. As always, you can subscribe to the only Daily Bengals podcast out there any way you want to. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast, including LockedOnBengals.com, where if you haven't gone to Locked On Bengals, I've been writing. One thing I've written is a quick hit segment, which is uh, some stuff on Marvin Lewis, what he said yesterday about Vontez Perfect and what he didn't say. And also, you can watch Chad Johnson and Terrell Owens talk about their time with the Cincinnati Bengals. Chad thinks he was the better player. You can uh, listen to why and, and watch why, actually. There's a video at LockedOnBengals.com. Let's dive into today's show. Trey Hopkins in five minutes. Dave Lapham on the other side of that. But to me, I think the Bengals should be aggressive at the trade deadline. Aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And um, you're a football fan, right? If you're listening to this podcast, odds are you're a football fan. Who would you rather be, the Packers or the Rams? Now, that might sound like a tough question, right? That might sound like a very tough question. Well, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, and the Rams are really good at 7-0, and and I don't know. I'm so torn. I mean, the history with Green Bay, it's simple. It's very simple. It's the Rams. And and I'll explain why very briefly. Um, the Packers have literally the most talented quarterback on the planet. There's no one on the planet as talented as Aaron Rodgers at what he does. They have him in his prime. From a mental and physical aspect, I mean, he's as good as, as anyone there is in, in the world, right? And Brady, I think, is better overall and historically, but Rodgers is right there. Literally no one better in his field, right? And then I look at the Rams. And the Rams, they had what was a, a bust in Jared Goff. That's what people said after year one. Oh, yeah, Jared Goff is a bust. New, uh, new offensive mind comes in in Sean McVay. Completely revamps things. He's young. He's fresh. He's aggressive. And they go out and they trade for Sammy Watkins. And then they let Sammy Watkins go. And this year, you know what they do? They go out and they make multiple trades. They signed Andrew Whitworth, as you guys know. But they go out and they make multiple trades. They go get Marcus Peters for a mid-round pick. They go get a keep to leave for a mid-round pick. Two cornerbacks that are pro bowlers slash all pros. They go out and give up their, their first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. They're aggressive. Meanwhile, the Packers have sat on their hands for years. The, the Packers have neglected the position or positions around Aaron Rodgers. I mean, think about it. When's the last time Aaron Rodgers had a great running back around him? When's the last time Aaron Rodgers had a great defense? It's been the Clay Matthews show for years and years and years. The Packers organization is one of the most overrated organizations in sports in my mind. So let me ask you again, 
Who would you rather want to be? The organization who's carried by a quarterback who's the most talented in his form, in his profession, or the team that's actually favored by nine and a half points? The team that started 7-0 and and the reason they've had so much success is because they're aggressive, because they go for it, because they take risks, because they take chances, because they go after premium talent and they say, we're going to make it work. We're going to sign in Demokin Sue, even though we have a guy like uh, Aaron Donald. We're going to go after Brandon Cooks and bring in a legitimate speed threat because we think he complements what we do better. Meanwhile, the Packers are afraid to make a move for Khalil Mack. The Packers don't go make a move for Le'Veon Bell. Maybe they will, but it doesn't look like it. And they're literally wasting the best years of Aaron Rodgers' career. The most talented quarterback on the planet is being wasted in Green Bay. I'd much rather be the Los Angeles Rams. Enough about them. Point being, the Bengals need to be aggressive. Their quarterback in his prime. Their star offensive weapon, A.J. Green, in his prime. Geno Atkins in his prime. Carlos Dunlap in his prime. Vontez Perfect was in his prime no longer. William Jackson is 25 years old. I'm going to go ahead and say it. In his prime. You have young, promising players like Jesse Bates who are going to continue to develop. I know Carl Lawson has underachieved, according to some. I still think he's very super ultra-talented. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of this window where Andy Dalton's under contract and A.J. Green's under contract and Tyler Boyd's on a rookie deal and Carl Lawson's on a rookie deal and Jordan Willis and Sam Hubbard are on rookie deals. Take advantage of it by going out and being aggressive. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Is anyone going to blame the Rams if they don't win the Super Bowl? Is anyone going to blame the Rams if they don't make it to the NFC title game? No, because they went for it. And in life, when you go for it, and you fail, at least you say you tried. At least you say you went for it, and that's exactly what the Bengals should do at the trade deadline. They have a window here over the next year and a half or so where everyone's under contract. A.J. Green, all these guys are under contract, right? So if it means going after a Chris Harris, who to me would would slide in at the, the nickel cornerback spot and be a stud for you and then could move outside if you needed him to or do whatever you needed him to, moving forward after this season, it makes a lot of sense. He's under contract for next year, by the way. If it meant going after a Demarius Thomas, if it meant going after a Des Bryant, if it meant going after a Jared Cook, if it meant going after – I mean, there are a bunch of guys here, and I have one more name for you that I've been passed along. I'm going through some text messages here. Let me look. Uh, it's an Oakland player. And um, it, it's the defensive back. It, the The name has slipped my mind for a second, so I will get to that. But the point is, is the Bengals should be aggressive. Daryl Worley. Maybe him too. The point is, I'm not saying that they're going to trade for any of those guys or sign Des. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they should be open to all things. All of those things. Because the Rams would. Because the organizations that I would want to emulate and be like, they would do that. <laughs> they there would do that. The Eagles would do that. The Patriots would do that. If those teams would do it, you should do it. Right? If those teams would do it, you should do it. You want to be great in life? Well, look at the, those who are great and emulate them. Everybody copies everybody. Everybody goes it's, copies everybody. The, there are copiers, 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 copiers. It's okay to copy the Rams blueprint. It's okay to copy the Patriots blueprint. It's okay 
to bring in talent at this stage of the year, at this time of the year. And, and the, the benefit of it, and I'll talk with Dave Lapham about this, they have a bye week coming up. You make a trade on Monday, make a trade Tuesday at 1 o'clock, you get that guy in here Wednesday and you start working with them. And they get 12 days, 11 days, 13 days, depending on whenever they get here, to prepare for the next game, to get in sync with the offense, to study the playbook, to get closer, to get, to get acclimated to Cincinnati. So the Bengals have a blessing in disguise next week if they do acquire talent. Um, and I think they should. I think they should be open to all things, from trading for Jared Cook to signing Des Bryant to signing Terrell Pryor, uh, a variety of things. I was going to mention Corey Coleman on today's podcast, but he was brought up from the New York Giants ro- uh, practice squad to their active roster today. Something you got to be open to. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Dave Lapham coming up in just a few minutes. But first, I caught up with Trey Hopkins, who's played very well at center. And uh, I'll ask Dave Lapham coming up about Trey, about Billy Price, who's getting healthier. He's not going to play this week, but he's getting healthier. What happens when Billy Price comes back? Lapham will answer that. But first, here's my one-on-one interview with Trey Hopkins. I started out by asking Trey how a team rebounds and responds after the beatdown they took at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night. You come back and you get to work. <laughs> I mean, that's all, that's all you can do. You still got a lot of games to play. You can't throw in the towel now. I mean, it's week eight. Just come back, get back to work, grind the details, make corrections, and keep going. Is it surprising to you that the offense kind of has hit this almost, well, well, hit the wall, at least against Kansas City, against that defense that had given up a bunch of points and given up yards going into Sunday night? Um, I think as an offense right now, what we're actually seeing more than anything is we just have to nail down our, nail down our defense, our details, mm-hmm. and be more consistent with them. And I think that's what we saw in the game, and I think that's where our focus is going to be this week is just really nailing down our details. We're talking with Trey Hopkins in the Bengals' locker room. Obviously, you've had to come in at center in relief of Billy Price week two, and since then you've manned that spot. How has that transition been for you um, early on in the season, and how are you settling into that role now? Um, Early on, I mean, I guess I didn't really have time to think about it, which I think (laughs) was a a good thing. Um, And now I've kind of gotten comfortable there. It's not really anything... I'm not doing any more adjusting, just really focusing on how Pollock is teaching me the techniques and just the different nuances that come with moving to center from guard, just a little bit different stuff here and there. But for the most part, it's it's not too much different than I'm seeing now. Do you look at this game, and you mentioned get to work. It's four, You're 4-3, four and three, you have one game before the bye. You get to 5-3, and three, that puts you in, in a good spot moving forward, yeah. and, and you get a week off to kind of regroup for the, the final stretch. Yeah, it's all about the next game, and so our goal for this week is to be 1-0 mm-hmm. within this week, and, and, and that's our focus. You're obviously looking at, at Tampa Bay film, um, and it seems like points are up across the league, so it seems like defenses are just giving up more and more points, but when you look at that defense, what stands out? Um, I see a lot of speed. I mean, of course, you got McCoy in the in the front that could be really uh, disruptive, and you got um, Pierre Paul, of course. I mean, disruptive guys up in the front, but then you see the linebackers are flying around, they're moving fast, they're they're reading things, they're they're keying very fast, um, and I just see a defense that is playing well. I mean, they have a, a different defense coordinator, so they might throw some different stuff at us. Um, but personnel-wise, they're just a, a very disruptive defense that is going to demand our respect and demand that we be on our p's and q's. Is getting Joe going or just getting the running game going in general, is that something I think 
way Marvin talked about it, it was it was the goal against Kansas City. Obviously, when you get down, things kind of change. Yeah. Is that the goal this week as well uh, against Tampa Bay? I know they've given up some yards on the ground. Always. I mean, the, the run game is always crucial no matter who you're playing just because, I mean, you have to make guys respect the run so that you free up the pass and things like that. Um, you can't be one-sided in the game. So a game like last week, of course, it's kind of difficult when you get forced into playing one, one part of the offense. Um, so, yeah, it's always important to establish the run game and establish it early, I think. Good stuff there. That's Trey Hopkins in the Bengals locker room. Up next, Dave Lapham going to join the show. I caught up with Dave Lapham earlier today on my radio show on ESPN 1530, and it is great stuff. Lap is the freaking man, and I can't wait for you to hear that interview. Literally, it's 20 minutes of Dave Lapham awesomeness. So stay tuned for that. But first, a word from the official brewery of the Locked On Bengals podcast. It's still October, but it is not too soon to get into the holiday spirit. Holiday as in Halloween. Wiedemann's is throwing its first ever Halloweedy Halloween bash this Saturday night. Did you know that the brewery complex in downtown St. Bernard used to be a funeral home? It's pretty spooky. And they're going to have a ton there. They're going to be tapping a new Blood Orange Blonde Ale, which sounds amazing because you've heard me talk about their Belgian Blonde. Uh, I had multiple friends reach out and tell me how they loved the Belgian Blonde and had a great time last week when they went to Wiedemann's Fall Fest. I have a feeling this Saturday going to be just as fun, and they're going to have so much there. They're going to be more than a dozen others brewed on site in their historic 100-year-old building on Vine Street. They also have guest brews from Banana Hammock, Brink, Fretboard, Listerman, Municipal, and Wooden Cast. Check it out, and don't forget the costume contest. The spookier, the better, but also come prepared to dance. They're going to have DJ Marty G's awesome dance tunes. Everything gets underway at 7.30, and donations will be accepted at the door for the Allison Step Fund at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and a portion of the night's proceeds will also be donated two children so it's going to go to a good cause and it is going to be a fun night other upcoming events at Wiedemann include the beer boxing championships on november 10th that's the marine corps birthday and proceeds go to the semper five fund which supports veterans and their families who are in need boxers are training at the punch house boxing fitness club come on out for an evening of serious beer boxing and fun to support our troops tickets are on sale now. Again, that is November 10th. In the meantime, don't miss any of the great beer and live music at Wiedemann's all weekend long. It starts tonight, Thursday night, with singer and guitarist Nick Clay. Friday, it's Jesse Bass. And then you got blues musician extraordinaire John Ford on Sunday following the Bengals game. So drink up some fine craft beers from Wiedemann's, the official brewery of the Locked On Bengals podcast. And did I mention... That is the only local craft brewery that used to be in a funeral home. Check it out. See you there on Saturday night. Go have a pint. Go have two. Go be spooked. Go win the costume contest. I would love it if one of you Locked On Bengals listeners went there, had a great time on a Saturday night, and then won the costume contest. Maybe you could dress up like Marvin Lewis. Maybe you can dress up like Andy Dalton. If someone dresses up like Blandy, as I call him, with a Blandy Dalton jersey, well, first round's on me. It all starts at the official brewery of the Locked on Bengals podcast, Wiedemann's. You can go to Wiedemann'sFineBeer.com for more info. It's 4811 Vine Street, just 10 minutes from downtown. This is David Harrison of the Locked on Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back into the Locked On Bengals podcast. And let's get to Dave Lapham. I caught up with Dave Lapham earlier today on ESPN 1530. I host a show every single weekday, noon to one. If you're out of town, you can listen to it on the iHeartRadio app. And I started off by asking Dave about Vontez Perfect. Because naturally, when Marvin Lewis says what he said yesterday, and you heard me talk about it, and I wrote about it at LockedOnBengals.com, where Perfect has played better in the past, I think everyone would agree with that, I decided to ask Lap how he thought and what he thought of Vontez Perfect's performance since he returned from that four-game suspension. Yeah, I agree with Marvin's assessment. He's certainly not playing uh, as well as he's played in the past, and I think part of it is he just hasn't played that much football. I don't think he's in good football shape right now. Um, and, you know, then you're playing against a, an offense that is uh, uh, executing at warp speed, and you're not there. You know, you're not, you're not where you could be and shown that you could be. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is in his, he's in his own mind with respect to the league. I think he's so distracted by what, you know, the league. He feels like he is a guy that is being targeted by the National Football League and him and him alone. And he feels that uh, anything he does out there, the league is watching and, you know, and it's self-inflicted. I mean, he's, he's created his own problem here. But I think it's, it's starting to really, you know, um, creep into his mindset. And when that happens, you know, when you're distracted like that by those kind of things, it's, uh, it's going to affect your overall play. I really believe that's the case with him. You know, I, I, he's, um, he's gotten a lot of notoriety, obviously, as a result of the fines and over $3 million in fines, 112000 in the last, uh, last go-around with two infractions. And now he's, you know, anytime anybody touches him, he's, never, I thought I'd never see Vontez Burford flop on national television. That's yeah. exactly what he did. He's trying now to, to say to the officials, hey, you guys aren't, you know, you're only looking at me delivering. What, what, what about when people are cheap-shotting me in his mind? In his mind, Kansas City was cheap-shotting him. Into it with Kelsey, into it with linemen. You know, instead of worrying about the game and playing defense, he's got his own personal war with the league. And he's trying to make, uh, you know, trying to show that, look, it's one-sided. You're not, uh, you're not protecting me at all. All you're doing is finding me. And I think that uh, that is a big, big distraction to his overall game. I really believe that. Dave Lapham is with us, and Dave, obviously, the, the way the NFL has gone and the way the Bengals' defense, the start they got off to through the first four weeks of the season, it was like, okay, well, they're going to get Vontez Burfecht back, and he's going to help change things and help get them back to where I think everyone really expected them to be, which is a top-tier defense, at least above-average defense this season. That hasn't been the case. They're 31st in total points given up. They're 31st in yards allowed on pace to set a franchise record for yards allowed through seven weeks. How can they fix it? Because clearly it wasn't as simple as Vontez Perfect returning to the field. Can it be fixed? And if so, how? I think uh, they, they need to follow the posture that Paul Brown said so many years ago that stuck in my mind and is stuck in my mind forever. After we had a bad performance uh, one, one game offensively, he stood up in front of our offensive meeting room as the head coach and said, obviously, you guys are not uh, capable 
of handling what we've installed. You know, your football acumen is not there, men. It's not happening. So we're going to simplify. We're only going to run six runs and seven passes in this football game. And that's all we're going to do. And we're going to do them over and over and over again against every possible look known to man until you guys feel confident that we can execute these plays. And when you can execute these plays, we'll start building our arsenal back up. But until so, these are the plays that we're going to use. We went out and kicked butt the next week because, you know, first of all, he got under our skin. And secondly, the attention to detail, the focus on those plays, the execution of those plays that next week was unbelievable. I think so many coordinators, both offensive and defensive coordinators in this era, have so many assistants and so many people, um, you know, offensive and, and defensive special assistants, and, as well as coaches, doing all these sub packages and how to attack these sub packages. And I mean, they are they are splitting the atom. You know, they're they're going advanced calculus when algebra will do, and they put so much time and energy into these game plans. Come hell or high water, they're going to use it all. And it does, they're, they're not interested in the flow of the game. If you have a run play that just gashed them for 13 yards in the old days, it would be like, run it again until they stop it. These days it's like, okay, well, that worked. Let me see if the next thing I created works. And they move on to something else and move on to something else. Next thing you know, they're all over the board. It's all piecemeal. It's like there's no, there's no connection between the run game and the pass game. There's no, you know, it's like play-action passing is supposed to be a connection to a run play. And sometimes in this league, it's not with the RPOs and the different things they're doing. So to me, the league has evolved to a, way, to a place where in the good old days of run a few plays well and make defenses stop things, football shouldn't be hard. You crease them, and when they react to, uh, to uh, stop that, then you run up to something that is related to it, a play action pass off of it or whatever. It doesn't take Einstein to put together game plans. And I think offensive and defensive coordinators – Forget about the fact that if your team's struggling, they may be overwhelmed mentally and melt it down, dumb it down, make it simpler. That's exactly what Mark Duffner did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. They're running all these exotic blitzes and we're getting their butts kicked. I mean, they're the worst pass defense in the NFL. 18 touchdown passes allowed, most in the league, only one interception, but no return yards. Now, you know, the worst in the league. That 19, minus 17 ratio, touchdown pass allowed to interception generated worst in the league uh quarterback rating against him 125 plus they fire mike smith who was doing it doctor comes in he's rushing three dropping eight rushing four dropping seven playing coverage let's settle this down let's calm it down dumb it down when you're struggling that's exactly the the remedy and paul brown introduced it to me in 1974 Dave lapham is with us lap one thing that defensive coordinator terrell austin did a little bit when he was with Detroit, and I'm wondering maybe if he would do it this weekend against Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, two dynamic weapons on the outside for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do you think there's the potential that William Jackson and Dre Kirkpatrick could go man-to-man on those two guys and just travel with them throughout the game? They could. They could, uh, they could do something different in that regard. Uh, they could stay to, stay to what they've done. But the thing that they have to do, James, they have to play harder and they played in Kansas City. In Kansas City, for the first time, I saw the defense playing with not enough effort. You know, they faced adversity. The offense goes one, two, three, and out. Kansas City scores. They, they you know, take, Kansas City takes an early command of the football game, and instead of fighting through the entire game like the football team has done, they didn't. They didn't react to adversity. They collapsed. So many plays when I was watching the game and, and, uh, and, and evaluating as I would if I were grading players, 
too many loaf, too many loaf plays. Defensive guys letting their teammate one on one against Hill, one on one against Hunt, and watching like spectating, like fans, like people watching the nationally televised game. Hell, it's not a it's not a privilege uh, to it's not a right to play in the National Football League. It's a privilege. You got to go play, run to the football, and the defense been doing that. Guys weren't running the football, standing around watching. Montez Burford included, all of them, a lot of guys. And it's like, man, what happened to that hustling defense? You know, if you play like that, it doesn't matter what the coach calls. If you're going to stand around and let your teammate try to handle these unbelievably athletic players one-on-one in space, they're cruising for a bruising, and they've got one. And if they do that against this Tampa Bay team, players like Evans and Jackson and the tight ends, O.J. Howard and Bray, they got trouble in River City, man. I, no matter what play is called, what what they try to do to scheme up, you got you got to hustle. I mean, it doesn't take a great athlete to hustle. You get paid plenty of money. The one thing you do is run to the football. And I, I, I hope I hope they're getting crucified by the coaching staff. And I hope whenever Tampa Bay catches a ball, there's four or five orange helmets running to the ball to pepper them because that wasn't the case in Kansas City. Dave Lapham is with us, and Dave, uh, especially after Sunday night, I was critical of offensive coordinator Bill Lazor. It just seemed like, honestly, the offense looked a lot like it did in 2017 and 2016, and I I know they've had injuries. Obviously, Tyler Eifert is a huge loss. Giovanni Bernard, I I think, hurts them a lot because when Joe Mixon checks himself out, you got a a rookie in there who's still getting a a feel for the NFL and Mark Walton. At the same time, I I wonder – uh, and I've said it this week, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. I'm not sure if Joe Mixon's being put in the, the best position to succeed. I know John Ross has had injuries, uh, but but it doesn't seem like he was even part of the game plan. Tyler Boyd hasn't gotten many manufactured design plays for him either. Uh, in a game like that against Kansas City, when they, they knew, and even going into this week against Tampa Bay, they're going to have to probably score 30 points or so to win the game do you expect a, a change from Bill Lazor? Because it was a complete 180 from where we were a couple of weeks ago when I was just praising everything he was doing. It's just, it's changed a lot, it seems. Yeah, and as you said, his personnel has changed a lot, James. I mean, his tight end package has evaporated due to injury. Um, you know, like Carl Austin said, somebody set off a grenade in the tight end room. I mean, it's crazy what's happened there. Um, and, you know, John Ross has been unavailable as much as he's been available or even more. So in Kansas City had two fast receivers that could uh, really challenge you vertically, Watson and Hill, and Watkins, I should say, and Hill. And then they had Kelsey in the middle. Well, that was the Bengals' process, you know, with, with John Ross, A.J. Green, Eifert in the middle, you in the middle. You know, I mean, they've got plenty of – just like Kansas City uses Hunt in the middle in their backs. It was the same type of thing. Well, the Bengals are crippled with respect to the personnel they're putting out there. Now, now what's happening is defenses have adjusted to what Bill Lazor and the Bengals' offense is doing. Think back to the beginning of the season. Baltimore Ravens came with heavy, heavy, heavy blitz. The Bengals played them out of it. I mean, you know, you had their defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, Blank Martindale. He was flinching. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he didn't stay with the blitz. They were, they were crushing them. Atlanta was blitzing. In 24 plays, they put up 28 points. They stopped blitzing. So now... With fewer weapons offensively, defensive coordinators are saying, we have fewer guys to worry about. Let's just play coverage. Let's, let's uh, rush three and drop eight. Let's rush four and drop seven. Double A.J. Maybe we can even double Boyd. 
Wobble Double and AJ with all these guys in back end, and, and who's going to beat us one-on-one? Who's left to win one-on-ones? And that's what they're doing. Now instead of Andy Dalton against the Blitz, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Against coverage, ten touchdowns, all eight of his interceptions. So they're saying we're going to cover, make Andy hold the ball. His offensive line isn't great. Eventually our Russell, rush will get there. He might not get through all his progressions. That's the secret sauce. Defenses have changed, altered the way they're playing the Bengals defensively. Kansas City, Bob Sutton had a pretty significant blitz pattern. Against the Bengals, I didn't remember him blitzing. When I looked at it again, I saw maybe one or two max times that he blitzed. He played coverage and shut him down, turning 39 yards. Mark Duffner, the, diff- the, the thing he did differently when he took over in Tampa Bay, instead of that heavy blitz deal that they were getting crushed on, he went and played coverage. He's playing shell coverage through safety's deep. You know, cover two where you can, you can double people. That's what, the, that's what is going to happen. That's what he's going to do this week. Tampa Bay, Mark Duffner's going to do the same thing that Bob Sutton did, that other teams are doing. Nobody's going to blitz him anymore. Nobody's going to do what Baltimore and Atlanta did because Andy destroyed it. But now he's got fewer weapons, and his offensive line you know, is, is not you know, top ten in the league. So they're saying, let's see if our rush can get there with three or four guys, play good coverage, and, and see so we can slow that offense down. And that's exactly what's happened. And I think it's just a much different dynamic for uh, Bill Lazor to game plan with for the Bengals to execute against, and they're just going to have to start winning some of those one-on-one um, uh, scenarios when pe- people are playing coverage, and the offensive line is going to have to give Andy a little more time to get through all his progressions because Andy's a master at reading, okay, here's the blitz. I know where I'm going with the football. Ball's out. Boom. I mean, easy read. They're not making it that easy anymore for him. Dave Lapham is with us here on ESPN 1530. A few more questions for Lap. You, you mentioned – Obviously, the, the injuries at tight end. Uh, I I think now you, it's safe to say they lack a, another op, uh, an outside threat at wide receiver opposite AJ Green with Tyler Boyd in the slot. Then you flip it, and they've had some injuries at corner. That the depth there has certainly taken a hit. Uh, Ryan Glasgow, I think, has been an underrated loss for this uh, Bengals defensive line. I look at all the injuries the Bengals have suffered, and then I also see that the trade deadline is this Tuesday, and it seems like the NFL more than ever. It is looking, uh, and teams are willing to give up draft picks for players who can help now. The Bengals made a, a couple trades. They've, they've made trades over the past year or so. They made the Cordy Glenn trade, et cetera. D- do you think that they could potentially make a deal between now and Tuesday's deadline? I'm sure it's being explored. I'd be shocked if it's not. But it takes two to tango, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's like I, I don't think the Open Raiders ever thought that anybody would give a first-round pick. For you know, for a receiver, and they did. So they, they made the trade. There's not to, not to guarantee that they're going to get with that first round pick that they gave up. Pretty darn good receiver. You know, they gave up maybe the best defensive player. You know, in in the league, Oakland did. You know, for for draft picks, and uh, that guy panned out better. Mac panned out better than any first round pick probably will ever pan out for. So yeah, I mean, it's deals are made. Are they good deals? Are they sound deals? Everybody's opinion of a good deal. Is different. That's why it takes two to make a deal, and those deals are hard to make sometimes. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they're, if they're, if they're, if they're trying, though. Um, I, I just think the Bengals were hit in two areas, James, injury-wise, that you don't want to be hit in this National Football League, tight end and linebacker, because linebackers that can run and cover tight ends, like Nick Vigil, and losing him, he, he's their best linebacker right now, yeah. and they've lost him. They've lost him for, for an extended time frame. 
going to be until after the bye. I don't know how long after the bye, but you know when you ever met, that's that's a matchup that's huge in this league. Tight ends on linebackers. Okay, in this in this football game, um, you got Tampa Bay's linebackers are crippled with injury. Bengals linebackers crippled with injury. Bengals tight ends crippled with injury. Tampa Bay's tight ends are a plus. That's a big matchup in their favor. In, in the other instances, you know, the Bengals are in trouble because they don't have tight ends, they don't have linebackers that can handle tight ends. Now, on, on the other side of it, you know, Tampa Bay doesn't have, uh, you know, linebackers necessarily that can work with tight, to work against tight ends, but the Bengals don't have a whole lot of them. So, I mean, that, that obviously favors uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that little exchange there, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, if they can, you know, pick up a tight end, pick up other, other places. I mean, they're, they are basically a mash unit. Yeah. They, had, they had 10 guys that didn't even practice, and then two guys that went limited. You only deactivate uh, six or seven, I should say. You deactivate seven. You get more. You're going to have guys in the 46-man roster on game day against Tampa that aren't physically able to roll. I mean, that's that's a tough place to be. Yet they still have enough core players to beat the Buccaneers, James. There's no doubt in my mind they have enough core players to beat the Buccaneers, and they got to do it and uh, limp and crawl to the bye week and try to get some bodies back. Yeah, and I think that, one, if they can beat the Buccaneers, you set up, and even with the past couple of weeks, you're 5-3 and three at the bye. You have plenty of time to get healthy, so I think that that's a really good spot to be in right halfway through the year. And let's say they did make a deal, say for a tight end who isn't familiar with the system, or maybe a cornerback or linebacker, they have the bye week. I mean, that that kind of is a, a secondary blessing if they do end up adding, whether it's a free agent or, or any kind of player via trade, they'll have a little bit of time, albeit during a bye, to get ready for, for Week 9. Yeah, I think, I think the Jordan Franks uh, deal, uh, bringing him up off the practice squad, made total sense. He's been there from Jump Street. He knows the offense cold. And watching him work out on, uh, um, before the games on Sunday when the deactivated players work out and practice squad players, he's impressive, man. He works hard. And the dude can get in and out of cuts, runs routes. He's a hell. He's a great, very, very talented receiver. Uh, but Andy Dalton hasn't been thrown to him. You know how quickly can they get in a rhythm? And there's a lot to be said for that. Just reading body languages. You know, no, no. When you when you have to throw the ball with so much anticipation, you pick up traits of a guy. Uh, a tip when he's going to get in and out of his cut with his body. You know, he might do something with his with his shoulder, his hip, or whatever it might be. So, I mean, little things like that, that that over time you pick up. But I think that made the most sense. But like you said, after that game, when you basically have two weeks with the bye week before you play, you know, that's that's a, a guy that's been around the league. Even if, he, even if he hasn't been exposed to your offense, there's only so many things you can do in football. It's just learning the language. It's unlearning and relearning. And some guys do it, you know, assimilate it faster than others. But getting that two-week uh, opportunity to do it, would indoctrinate somebody a lot more, uh, a lot more rapidly, and it, the bye week would be a work week for that position coach and that player. I mean, they'd be living together. They wouldn't be with their families. They'd be just spending every minute of every day during that bye week because there's no other distraction, no other you know meetings, no other. It's just boom, here you go, and we're 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 with each other six or seven hours working on this stuff, and just going to try to boil it all and clear it all in. And so, if you can make a trade. You do have that opportunity to do that time frame. That's an unusual period of time when you can, you can pay a lot of attention to one guy and really get a guy up to speed. Last question for you, Dave, and you, you've been great with your time, it, as always. As far as 
offensive line is concerned. Billy Price, he returns to practice yesterday. I still feel like he's probably a week away. Why not just hold him out till after the bye and, and get him fully healthy 100%? But I've gotten this question asked a lot of me, and I want to get your thoughts on it. What is, is the possibility that Billy Price slides back into the starting lineup, whether it's center or right guard, and Trey Hopkins plays the other uh, other position following the bye, assuming that Billy Price returns then? Yeah, I, 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 Billy. Billy's not playing this weekend. That's not happening. He's, he's not. Uh, he's not in any kind of a uh, any kind of a position to to be able to pull that off this weekend for sure. So, um, he, you know, he hasn't played any football. I mean, look at how long it's been before he's played. He went limited at practice yesterday. That's his first practice and was limited physically. So they are not going to throw him out there and uh, and play this weekend. And they don't have to. The emergency alarms aren't going off because. Uh, center's being handled pretty well by Trey. Trey's doing a hell of a job. So, um, and, and I think that, unfortunately for Trey, center's his best position. And it's Billy Price's best position. You know, even though Billy paid, played three years at uh, guard at Ohio State, I think he proved that he was a pretty top-notch center. He was drafted to play center. I think he's going to be the center. Um, and Trey, Trey, at that point, then they have to make the call, like you said. Okay, well, Redmond. In my mind, Redmond's playing with an injury. I see him kind of protecting an injury. I see him twisting and turning, trying to protect an injury. Um, and, and if that's the case, do they think Trey is a better option there? Or do they still like what Redmond's doing enough? Uh, they're going to they're have to make some decisions there. The bye week might solve a lot of that issue with Redmond if he is playing hurt. Um, other guys, you know, might solve some of their issues in the offensive line. They're playing dinged up, but you know, uh, that's that's a call the coaches are going to have to make. And you know, you're going to put your best five out there. No matter what the situation is, nobody's uh, you know nobody's worried about hurting anybody else's feelings. That's for sure. Just trying to win football games. And honestly, James, I look at what uh, Frank Pollock's doing. And I think he's he's doing a lot of it with smoke and mirrors. I mean, it's a solid offensive line, but it's not you know super uber talented. And uh, when we talked before, I remember we talked about the fact that if they could just be middle of the pack offensive line, that would be you know, a, a big, big step forward. And I think they could win 10 games if they played middle of the pack offensive line. And Frank's got them playing at that type of level, you know, and, and hopefully it'll improve as they play more together and they grow together and, uh, and avoid injury. <laughs> That's the big thing. Knock on wood, man. If they get, oh. if, they, if they get blown up at that position group, James, Lord have mercy. Yeah. There, there is no depth anywhere in the league. I feel like at the offensive line. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, you know, it, it's amazing. The offensive line, but, they only, they've only dressed seven linemen every single game this week, uh, this season. Just seven. So, I mean, you, you know, you, you're, you're saying, you know, we're, we're hopefully getting through this game without getting banged up mm-hmm. because it doesn't take much to deplete uh, when, you, when you have to have five in the field and you're only shooting out seven. It's, uh, it's easy math to do, that's for sure. He's Dave Lapham. Lap, I appreciate the time as always. I will uh, see you Sunday when hopefully the Bengals can get to five and three. I hear you, James. That's a, this is a very, very important football game. And, uh, and Coach Austin addressed his defensive players. Five and three, uh, the numbers say you have a 63% chance to make the playoffs. Four and four, the numbers say it drops to 33%. Wow. That's a significant difference. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hopefully they can get it done Sunday. I appreciate the time. You got it, sir. Does it get any better than Dave Lapham? I mean, in all seriousness, we all know the answer, right? No, it doesn't. Great stuff there from Lap. I appreciate it. In his Bengals Booth podcast, 
Look, I I do a daily Bengals podcast. I love it. You know, I love talking to you guys daily. But uh, Dan Hoard, Dave Lapham, they do it twice a week, Sundays after the game and then Wednesdays. The Bengals Booth podcast is worth checking out as well. As a a supplement to uh, protect you from just my voice when it comes to Bengals. (laughs) You guys are the bomb. Um, I got the Bengals this week. They win 30-27. to You heard Lap there at the end. It's a must win. 63% versus 36%. It's a must win. And I expect them to win. And I know they're injured. But I expect them to win. I'm not sure they're as good as we thought when they were 4-1. I don't think they're as bad as we think they are now at 4-3. They're going to win. They'll get to 5-3. It's going to be difficult. 30-27 to is the score. There will be a point in this game where it'll be like Miami, where it's in doubt. The Bengals are going to find a way to win this one, get to 5-3, and and you're going to feel really good going into Monday when hopefully the Bengals can pull off a trade or two. You can tweet me at James Rapine at Locked on Bengals. Subscribe on iTunes. Please leave us a five-star rating. That would be great if you could um, because it just it gets the word out. When people search Bengals in iTunes, the more ratings, the more comments, the more subscriptions, all of that, it's more likely to pop up. And I want as many Bengals fans to hear this podcast as they can. You know why? It's the only daily one out there. Thank you so much for listening. Back at it on Sunday when hopefully we're talking about a victory for the Bengals and a 5-3 and three football team. Until then, I'm James Erpine. Thanks for listening. Again, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, LockedOnBengals.com is where it's at as well. I'll be writing after the game as well. Until next time, until Sunday, I'm James Erpine. Have a great weekend. Go to Wiedemann's. Win the costume contest. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.